This morning we're going to be starting Matthew chapter 22, and I would like my brother Billy to come up and read our passage for this morning. Come on up. Thank you, brother. Oh, and kiddos, you can head out. Sorry, we forgot that part. Dismiss those kids. <laughs> Thank you, John. Good morning. Uh, We're going to be reading uh, Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding. And they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatted livestock, and all are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention, and they went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways and to the many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there that was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to gather together with our brothers and sisters to hear the word of God. And we thank you, Father, for having a great teacher like David. We pray, Father, that you would use him and speak through him and be with us today. And, Father, it's just a privilege to be able to be in the body of Christ. And it's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning. (laughs) Good to be with you all this morning. So we get another parable from Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like... Um, The last two parables, he's responding to the testing of the Pharisees, 
and he's exposing the Pharisees. And now he gives us a parable that's similar to past parables to show us a picture and to gain some understanding of what to expect in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand at this point. The kingdom of heaven is there. We live now uh, in the beginning part of the kingdom of heaven. It'll come in fullness when Jesus comes and reigns here on this earth. But the kingdom of heaven is like, he says in verse 1, and again Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. king having a wedding feast for his son sending his servants servants his prophets it's a similar uh, picture of what we had in the last parable where servants are prophets um, and they don't come it should be surprising when a king gives a feast. Um, that's a special event, and a feast for his son, for his son's wedding. If you got a personal invitation to be at an event with the king of the kingdom that you live in, so it should be surprising that they would not come. Um, Y'all have probably driven past this giant building on the side of 130. Um, it's huge. Uh, they built it in less than two years. It's, they put a little more than a billion dollars into building that factory, right? It, it, the building covers 2,500 acres. It's huge. It, it has 10, more than 10 million square feet of floor space for a factory in that building. Um, when it had its grand opening just recently, not that long ago, it was a party with 15,000 people invited to it, and it was by invite only, right? It, it was an event people around the world wanted to attend, Giga Texas, Right? Tesla's Giga Texas, uh, the cyber rodeo event. Um, can you imagine if, if someone's like, uh, I don't want to go? There might have been some. There's a line of people waiting to take that invitation. In fact, you got this guy here during the, the event. He's, saying, he's got a sign that says, uh, Tesla geek seeks friend, please pick me as your plus one guest, right? I want in. He wasn't on the invite list. Kingdom of heaven is like a king throwing a banquet for his son. There's no greater invitation, right? The, you know, everyone's excited to go to this, this big deal. Tesla, Elon Musk created this factory in less than two years. It's so huge. Who's the king in this? 
so much greater than Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk is nothing. Creating a, a big factory, a big ugly building, I'm a big building in less than two years. How does that compare to a God who spoke the world and the heavens into existence in six days? How does the invite compare? Right? You realize how ridiculous this is. Now, this invited list pictured here is Israel. Right? Invited to dine with the king. Invited where everything has been Prepared, but no one came. So this isn't just a commentary on Israel. This is a commentary on the broken state of humanity, of what we are turning down when we reject God, when we reject His invitation. Verse 4, again, He sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited... See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Invitation is there. Now notice something about this king described. This is a benevolent, good king. Kings in history, what would they do if they wanted their invited guests? Go gather the guests and force them to come. That's, that's what the kings of the world of history have done. This king is a good and benevolent king, and he is offering this invitation to a specific list that he has chosen. Verse 5, but what was the response? They paid no attention. They went off, one to his farm. I got better things to do, right? One to his farm, another to his business. I'm too busy. Do you think anybody who was on the invite list, who was a, a Tesla fanatic, didn't cancel plans? It's like, I got a business meeting. That business meeting is going to wait. Sorry, I'm on the invite list, right? That's how you should react to something like this. But no, I've got a farm to take care of. I've got business to attend to. And then verse 6, while the rest... Went a step further, seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So this is this is the same picture we saw in the, in the previous uh, parable. What did they do? What did Israel do as God sent His prophets to to call them to repentance, to call them to really to invite them into the banquet? They mistreated them and killed them. That's what's about to happen with Jesus. We saw that in the last parable. So then the king reacts in verse 7. Here's, here's the first point. We need, we need to just understand the invitation of God. There is no greater invitation. We just need that to sink in. I don't know... If you've been invited to something in your life that's incredible in this world and you felt so privileged and honored to be invited, that's nothing compared to the invitation we have from the creator of the world, right? Do we get that? 
See, we came from the so we come from the same broken place that, that Israel did. It's sinful humanity that that has rejected God and doesn't realize the glory of what He's inviting us into. We just see the burden, right? Because the invitation it, it's not a pretty little card, right? I've I've had invitations. You're invited. You're so special. Well, the the invitation began. Well, it's been there from, from the beginning, but we saw it clearly with with John the Baptist. Right? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not a pretty card, but it is the invitation to the glorious banquet. John said, There is one who comes after me whose sandals I am not fit to tie. He's pointing. It's part of the, the invitation. Look, there is something glorious you're being invited to. And then, and then Jesus clearly gives the invitation when he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It's an invitation. First given to Israel, to an exclusive list. But do you understand the value of the invitation? Elon Musk doesn't compare. Not even close. Verse 7, the king was angry. He just murdered his servants. Um, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now this is, this is clearly looking forward to what's about to happen. Israel rejects him. And we see this in, in the, the fig tree as well. What happens 40 years later, during the time of Passover? The, the, um, the Romans come in and destroy the temple, burn the city. Right? This is, and, and God is saying, this is my doing. This is the king's doing. Um, it says, the king was angry and he sent his troops. His servants are the prophets. His troops. He's pointing to... Titus leading the Roman armies. Wait, the Roman armies are God's troops? You understand who you're dealing with. God calls King Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about him the other day. King Nebuchadnezzar of, uh, of Babylon. He, he's, he is not a godly man. He puts himself as God, right? God calls him in the Old Testament, calls King Nebuchadnezzar his servant. Or how about... Cyrus, king of, of Persia, right? Uh, not a godly man, right? But God calls him his shepherd, right? A shepherd in his hand that God is going to use. He, the language that God uses when he speaks of the kings and kingdoms of the world, you, you get an idea of who God is. I, I love this one in Isaiah 7, 18. Um, it's talking about, this is God prophesying through Isaiah of what God is going to do to Judah, against Judah. And it says, In that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. See, Egypt was known for its flies. Assyria had known for its bees. But what is it talking about? It's talking about the armies of Egypt and the armies of Assyria. God is going to whistle for them to come against Judah. He whistles. Here, boy. And, and the greatest kingdoms at that time, the greatest powerhouses at that time, even though they are, in their own mind, 
And then in their own will, working against the people of Israel, taking whatever opportunity they can, they are a tool in the hand of God to do his bidding. So as you understand the value of the invitation that we have, we should understand the seriousness, the enormity of who it is that's inviting us and what it means to reject that invitation. Who are we rejecting the invitation from? It is a foolish thing to take God lightly. But what does the Bible say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Understand who is inviting us in. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. Why are they not worthy? I mean, they were on the list. They didn't respond. They didn't value the invitation. Go, therefore, he says, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads, gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, doesn't matter who. Y'all are invited to the wedding. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. I thank the Lord for this because I'm the vagabond on the street. I am the one who's not on the list. I am not of Israel. I am a Gentile. I'm of the other nations. And this is God's plan. Here's something for you to understand. In the kingdom of heaven, the invitation is open to all. And I mean all. The good and the bad, <laughs> and the ugly, right? And, and we can look at that from two, two ways. It's, well, there's people, I think, are they invited? Are you sure, God? Or maybe you're thinking, if you only knew what I've done, I have no business stepping into church. I have no business being near Christianity. If you knew what I have done, I talked to somebody at the drunken treat who's just asking on behalf of a friend, someone who's just devastated by, with guilt from things that they did in their past. Struggling to get past that. How could God love me? When Jesus went to the cross, which was the expression of God's love for you and me. On either side of him, there were thieves, robbers, the Bible says. And at first, both of them were ridiculing Christ, blaspheming Christ along with everyone else. Who, if I was to judge, doesn't deserve, right? The thief on the cross, he's there for real crimes. He's ridiculing and blaspheming Jesus, but one of them has a change of heart. And he tells the other thief, why are you blaspheming him? We're here justly. We did this. 
We deserve to be here. But he didn't do anything. He didn't. His guilt was our guilt. He took it. All of it. And he says, Jesus, you remember me when you come into your kingdom? See, he saw the value of it. He saw there's glory there. He saw the reality of who Jesus was. Innocent, perfection, dying on the cross for those who hate him, who ridicule him, who blaspheme against him. He says, Jesus, will you remember me? And what did Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. How much did the thief do to earn that invitation, to accept that invitation? He just believed. He had no chance to prove himself. And he had been just then blaspheming Christ. Like, there's no time to like, to cool down from the sin that he was in. He just said, will you remember me? His heart finally broke. And he cried out to Christ. The invitation is open to all. Do you understand? If you've accepted that invitation, you now hold it in your hands. God's mission for you is to be his servant, right? To go and share with other people, hey, on the street, you're invited. The greatest invitation ever. Nothing in this world compares. You are invited into the kingdom of God. That's why at the very end of this book, the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? All nations. Everyone is invited. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter your past. You could be at the very end of your life on your deathbed with no chance to prove it. Have you ever made that decision to, to actually accept the invitation? Now, it, People will go their whole life hanging out. They got an invitation in hand, hanging out, but never actually saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I believe. Like, well, I, I, was, I was a Christian. It's just something you kind of ease into. Is marriage something you ease into? Can't, maybe there's some easing in, but eventually for it to be marriage, what do you do? You, you make a commitment. <laughs> you say, all right. And, and, and what helps, really, really helps with that commitment. You might make the commitment. There's nothing the Bible says the commitment has to be more than just a verbal commitment on marriage, right? But what really helps is to have some ceremony around it. Say, look, everyone, we're committing to this. And now everyone knows, everyone realizes that. You know, God gave us that for our commitment to Him. It's baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. But it's the ceremony, it's the thing that symbolizes that commitment to say, yes, I am committed to Jesus. 
I am accepting the invitation. I am all in. I am His. I want to follow Him. Maybe you have committed yourself to Him, but you've never been baptized. Can I encourage you to do that? It's like saying, I'm married, but I never, we never actually did a ceremony. You should do that. You should do something where people are able to wit- be witness to and to keep you accountable to and to express your commitment. There's something we need in that. God knows that. That's why he gave us something like baptism. Has there ever been a time that you can say, here, this is the time I finally said yes to God? Thief on the cross, it was the moment before he died. As he's there suffering, he said yes to God. He accepted the invitation. Verse 11. When the king came in to look at the guests, place is full of guests. He saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And he said, yes, and he was speechless. What's this about? What are you doing here? You don't have a wedding garment. Now, ancient world, it was sometimes uh, a thing that a a king would, would throw a banquet and he would provide. Here's the garment you're supposed to wear, right? God has provided a garment for us to wear. You realize the invitation has a dress code on it. The invitation into the kingdom has a dress code. God has supplied it. And without it, you're not allowed in. What's the dress code? It's the righteousness of Christ, right? It's, it's righteousness. Wait, well, the Pharisees, the ones Jesus is speaking against, those were considered the most righteous people. Shouldn't they be coming in? No, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said... Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. No entry. There is only one way in, and it's God's way. Here's the last point. There is only one way in. Right? We've all been invited. The invitation is to all, but there is only one. One way in. And you've got to be wearing the clothes provided. How does that work? What are the clothes provided? How do I put them on? Look with me at Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26. Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. That is, you are part of the kingdom. This is, that's what happens when you have entered into the kingdom. Through what? Faith. Through faith. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God 
through faith. That's what the, the thief on the cross expressed was faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on the clothing. What is the clothing? It's Christ, the righteousness of Christ. How do I put on Christ? That's, all right, let's, let's get practical. How do I put on Christ? Well, it's as many of you as been baptized into Christ. Wait, how does that work? You have to be baptized to be saved. Now, see, baptized is, is actually a Greek word. We didn't translate it when we translated the Bible. We just used the Greek word, baptizo, right? If we had translated it, it would have translated to immersed, right? Baptized means immersed. Water baptism is to be immersed in water. That's why sprinkling is weird. It just doesn't make sense, actually, to be immersed in sprinkles, um, to be immersed. So this is not saying water baptism. This is being immersed in Christ. To put on Christ is to be immersed in Christ. And if I go back further, it's through faith. All in. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. You did die for my sins 2,000 years ago. This really did happen. You really created all things. You are the God that holds all things together. That, I believe that. I believe you have a plan for my life. I believe that, that your ways are greater than my ways. I believe that, that I can have eternal life in you and that obedience to what you want me to do is better and will res result in blessing compared to doing things my way. It's, it's faith in everything that is Jesus, everything he's taught, everything he stands for, everything that he is. I believe it. I have faith in it. I have immersed myself in Christ. That's what it is to put on Christ. That's the dress code for entering into the kingdom is faith. Immersing yourself, saying, yes, Jesus, I am yours. There isn't any other way. Ephesians 2 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Not something you've accomplished, not something you can do. You can't get yourself into the kingdom. If you don't do things God's way, Entry by faith alone, in Christ alone. There is no other way in. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the garment. His righteousness, not mine. What happens if you show up wearing the wrong clothes? Yep, I'm, I'm a Christian. I haven't really done the whole committed to Christ thing, but my family's a Christian. I was born in a Christian family. What is it? Whatever the thing is, right? No, I, I'm an American. That means I'm a Christian. There, that is a common belief. Actually, it's becoming less and less of a belief, that, that connection. But even that doesn't work. It, it doesn't, there is only one way. It doesn't matter what family you're in. It doesn't matter the things that you've done. If you haven't put your faith Immersing yourself into Jesus Christ through faith. There's no entering. What will happen? Uh, he says what will happen. And it's shocking. 
Verse 13. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's he describing? Hell. Eternal suffering. This isn't just because you wore the wrong clothes. This is the alternative to the banquet. Right? This is what's deserved by the whole world. This is what we deserve because of sin. The grace of God is inviting us out of that. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the opportunity of eternity, of a lifetime. <laughs> Turn to Christ. Be saved. And even if you call yourself a Christian and look like a Christian and do all the things, you could even be a pastor and teach God's word. But if you haven't personally put your faith in Jesus Christ, there is no entry. You're going to be the one he's going, friend, how'd you get in here? For our 15th anniversary, we went on a Disney cruise without our kids. Is that weird? Disney, no kids. It was wonderful. Um, Disney cruise, right? Every single dinner was a production, it just Disney style. And, but they had this special place to do dinner. Since it was our anniversary, we paid a little bit extra to go do one of the nights at this special place, right? And then, you know, my wife always what, reads the details. I don't read the details. Oh, there's a dress code. Ah, it's Disney. It's no problem, right? Well, we show up. I've got a button-up shirt, and I had, I had dark-colored jeans. Those are formal. <laughs> the guy stopped us at the front. Sir, you need to wear slacks. Really? This is Disney. I need to wear slacks? That's okay. We got you covered. He sends somebody. They got multiple sizes of slacks. They, they got all the stuff I need. He had everything I needed to wear to be able to enter in and dine with my wife. The attire of your life and mine is not fit for the kingdom. In fact, we stink. There's a stench of sin on us that's not fit to enter this banquet, not fit to enter into the presence of God. It's, we, we don't deserve to be there, and we are not fit to be there. But here is the wonderful news. Jesus has an outfit for you. The Holy Spirit is there ready to cleanse you, to clean you, to make you smell good, make the aroma of your, your life the aroma of Christ. That's what this is about. And we receive that through faith. It's kind of like giving up. Because we go through life trying to make it our way. But eventually you've got to come to the end of yourself. You might be blaspheming Christ all the way up to that point. And, and understand, church, there might be people in your life whose mouth is just blaspheming God. Just like the thief on the cross. And there's a point that God might bring them to where they stop and they say... All right, I give up. And with brokenness say, God, will you remember me? And that's the heart of faith, that God meets with his righteousness, that God meets with his cleansing Holy Spirit and changes that life 
to be fit for the very presence of God. Finally, Jesus says, in summary, for many are called, but few are chosen. Um, This is a go-to verse. When you're talking about uh, the calling and the choosing of God, of election, and incredible uh, areas of theology we see come up uh, at the beginning of, of Ephesians of how God, before the foundation of the, earth, of the world, has, has chosen you in Christ. You see, when putting on Christ, He has chosen you in Christ, even before the foundation of the world. And there's incredible aspects of that to, to understand who we are in God, that God has a plan for a life that, that He's had since the beginning, that we can go in confidence into what God has before us because of that. But That's actually not the main point of what Jesus is speaking of in that one sentence. He's summarizing what was just talked about. Many are called. How many? All. Into the streets. Good, bad, ugly, right? Me too. The general calling is what some refer to it. But, But all are called. But don't assume because you hold an invitation that you're getting in. Right? Ah, I'm good. I'll figure it out when I get there. That's the warning here. Right? Don't assume. The invitation is to all, but only those who recognize the value of it. Only those who treasure the Son. Only those who come clothed in the righteousness of Christ through faith will be chosen to enter. Right? Don't assume. Book of Hebrews says, make sure those among you have all received the grace of God. That there isn't anybody who's there who's just kind of riding along. Right? This is important. Have you committed your life to Christ? Because if you haven't, the difference between the banquet and eternity in hell is I, I, want, I want to be with you in the presence of God. The end of the book. I mean, at the end of the book. Revelation, chapter 22, the end of the last chapter of the last book of the book of the Bible, ends with an invitation. And this is the invitation that's going out to the whole world. The Spirit and the bride say, who's the bride? We're the bride, right? The church. The Spirit and the bride say, come, come. That's the invitation. Come and let the one who hears say, Come and let the one who is thirsty. Are you thirsty? Boy, I see people in our community struggling. If I could only open your eyes to see the glory of what God has for you, 
You're thirsty for something. I know it. But do you know what you're thirsty for? The one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Come. That's the invitation. If you haven't done that yet, do it. It's nothing more than what the thief on the cross did. God, I believe. If you have committed your life and you've never been baptized, use one of our contact cards. I want to be baptized. I want to commit my life to Christ. I, I want to do that formally, right? Put that in there. We'll set up a baptism. I, I try to find some warm water. <laughs> the church loves it. It's something we celebrate, baptism. Committing your life to Christ. Saying, yes, I'm in. I'm all in. I want to put on Christ. There is no greater invitation than the one that we have to follow Jesus with everything that we have, to walk in righteousness, His righteousness, and to extend that invitation to others so that they might also be saved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for the life You've given us. Thank You for going to the cross. You were the one of those three who had done nothing wrong. And it's incredible that you took our guilt and our shame. You took it from us. You put, you put it on yourself and nailed it to the cross. The account, the record against us, the eternal record for our sin held in your hand. It's the nail that went through the record of my sin also went through you. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to appreciate who it is that has invited us in such a, into such a wonderful grace. Lord, I look forward to that day, a real day described in your word, when we will dine with you, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so many more. An incredible feast creator of the world, the one who, who made us, who knows us, there loving, showing us your abundant grace, the abundant joy that's to be had in your presence. And let that be what motivates us, what drives us forward, not, not any of the things this world has to offer, but everything that we have in you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Stand and sing.
the heart to Arkansas And all who feel unworthy And all who hurt with nothing left Know that you are holy Then all will sing out God who saves. 
there's going to be a day when we do sing that, shout it. I don't know, it's going to be so many people in Jesus' presence shouting that out together. Can't wait. Until that day, let's let as many people know that they are invited to be a part of that. I love you, church. Go in the Lord. Don't forget, please, every family take a box. If you can use it, use it. Uh, keep it.